This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lord save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I am your host Anne Gripper and we have a slightly different kind of an episode for you this week. Uh, no more Prince Andrew after two weeks where he has been very much dominating our discussions, although he will be returning, I am sure, uh, for our review of the year in a couple of weeks' time. Um but no, and some new characters, in fact, in this episode as well. Um, so it's an episode I've been wanting to uh, to do for a little while. We actually, I actually recorded the interviews um, way back, sort of end of September, early October, just around the time of the Pakistan tour. But it's been all go on the news front ever since. Um, so we've not really had a chance to bring you uh, this special, which is all about uh, the the world of Twitter, essentially, or actually, more precisely, uh, the stories behind three Twitter accounts, which I'm sure many of you will know already. Um, if you don't know them already, then I hope you will appreci- appreciate us bringing them to your attention because they are um, pretty fabulous. And it turns out the ladies who operate them are pretty fabulous as well. So I was delighted that Japanese Ginger, uh, What Kate Wore, and UFO No More agreed to come on the show and have a little chat. So three separate interviews with each of the accounts, very different people, different locations, different reasons for doing things, different interests, um, but all passionate about following the royal family. Um, so our first interview uh, with is with Japanese Ginger, an account which I... Well, first spotted a little while ago possibly on the what kate wore facebook page actually that there was this person who just seemed to very often be the first one to identify what exactly was that top or that dress or those shoes that one of the royal family was wearing it's like how do they do that this is witchcraft what what is going on do they just know everything or, or are they just really good at searching stuff very quickly so i just wanted to uh find out you know what, who is the person behind it? Laura, why does she do it? And uh, and would she give us any of her, her little tips and tricks about what she's up to? So I hope you enjoy our chat. Hi, my name is Laura Farrow. I am 26 years old from Omaha, Nebraska, and you know me as at Japanese underscore ginger on Twitter. 
That is a great Twitter handle. I love it. And thank you very much for joining us on the show, Laura. Um, I first spotted you, I think, so What Kate Wore was one of the first sort of royal blogging things that I um, was following when we were covering Kate. And then I kept seeing your name pop up in the kind of hat tips of, of people who had spotted where Kate's dress was from or what her bag was or all the, these different kind of things, which kind of just blew my mind. How did you, how did you get in, into all of this kind of thing and spotting? spotting the royal clothes so I way back in high school would follow um like celebrity fashion and I was on style.com back when that was a thing like looking at all the runway collections and so it's something that I've kind of done just for fun for a long time and then I found royals through a different royal family the Swedish royal family and that was kind of an easier one to get in because it's not as fast-paced and through that, I made friends in different spheres and kind of got in the social club, I guess. And it's just been kind of going ever since. And what is it that you like about it? I love that it kind of fits all of my passions into one because I work in IT. And so you kind of don't realize it, but a lot of fashion finding and all of that stuff is really knowing technology and how to use it. And I love fashion. And so it's just like a perfect meeting of everything. And then add the layer of I really appreciate the work that royals do and that it's not just like kind of fun frivolity with like celebrities. It's a little more serious in the kinds of engagements and stuff that they do. Okay, and that's, that's really interesting that you're saying that it's, um, it's about technology because I was going to ask you, is it, is it about knowing fashion and having seen all of the different things on the, on the website, one of my magazines and saying like, I, oh yeah, I saw that in the, whatever, Diane Furstenberg on the catwalk in New York in, in the fall, or is it about being able to Google stuff really well? It's, it's both, really, because like, you have to know what your royal you're looking for likes like the brands so like with Megan you have a list of like some of the Canadian brands and with Kate you have a couple of her like Catherine Walker Alexander McQueen those kind of things but then you also have to know how to Google and just the right search terms so if you know fashion terms it helps and then I've even for like old stuff gone to you can there's an internet archive and you can like look at previous editions of websites and see listings from sites from like five years ago. That is dedication, and, we, <laughs> and we we thank you for it because you know it is. I can remember how excited I was when I worked out. Um, I think it was it was Kate's like plaid jacket from I think Christmas couple of years ago and I mean it was so distinctive it wasn't going to be difficult to work out what it was there's not that very many like tartan high-end coats that you're going to find but I was still so pleased with myself that I managed to find it so that was that's my favorite and possibly only time that I managed to spot where something was from before the rest of the internet it's probably because other people have better things to do on Christmas day than be in the office <laughs> googling the royals um so what what is your favorite one that you've managed to track down when you're like yes I've got that one so the first one that comes to mind is I found the Alexander McQueen she wore to Wimbledon a while ago. It's called Obsession Print. And it was like one of Yeah, and it was one of my first finds ever and for Kate. And it was just like seeing my Twitter mentions, it was really overwhelming when it happened. Um but then I would also say that the uh uh dress that Megan wore for the International Women's Day panel because that one went unidentified for like a good 10-15 minutes and I had to like do some 
deep dive into the Google sphere to figure it out. And I was pretty proud because that was the first time she's worn that brand. Nice. I would imagine, is Megan a bit harder because a lot of her, her stuff is, you know, it tends to be neutral. So there's not so many distinctive patterns a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, quite a lot of sort of classic styles that might be similar across different brands. The amount of like stitching and buttons and hemlines and all of that that you end up looking at for Megan just to try to match on certain things or make sure that you're right. It's so much different where it's Kate who kind of goes for, I think, more patterns and more less like similar-ish kind of things. There's more distinctive things that you can identify on. Although Kate with her like 10 versions of the same shoe and you end up looking and like, okay, so which heel is that? And it's, yeah no you the, the shoes I am I'd like I'm just like no it's some black pumps I cannot I cannot see the difference <laughs> I cannot cope um so what's your favorite royal look um so my favorite royal looks um I have a lot I I tend to just like things that match the wear well so I love like Megan's casual wear like um I thought when she went to the U.S. Open for uh, to support Serena, that was really beautiful. I thought when she went to support Serena at Wimbledon in the private um, capacity that that was really gorgeous, just because I think she looks comfortable in that kind of setting. The one that's from the tour that I think everyone highlights is the Oscar de la Renta butterfly dress, because oh, it was just such dreamy. a work of art. Um, for Kate, I think... Um, I tend to respond well when she kind of goes for more like different in the accessorizing and stuff like that. And so I don't know if I'm having like one that comes to mind, but I just have enjoyed like the evolution. I think she's like kind of coming out of her shell a little bit, like something like the Ellie Staub where that was a designer you hadn't really seen before. Um, and then like the Naeem Khan from India, I think was one that really stuck out to me. So. And are there any looks that you've been like, no, that is not okay. I hate it. I wish my eyes had not seen it. So I generally, it's not so much like I don't like them, but it's like a little weird for me when like Kate did this in India and Megan did this in Morocco where they wear like designer versions of local dress. It's kind of a weird thing to me. And I, I so I never really respond well to that. Um, but like, for instance, then on this tour, Megan did wear um, a more like local fabric. And I think I respond well to that because it feels more authentic. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, how would you describe your look? My look is very, um, I think I'm more of Megan than a Kate. I like the neutrals. I like um, comfort. I like, so my work is very casual but I like to dress it up a little bit and um but it's all in comfortable fabrics and I definitely like more flowy silhouettes than figure hugging silhouettes um I always say it's easier to style for other people than myself so, so I'm <laughs> the fashion advice friend but not the one who loves to dress myself I think I think we all we all know that feeling um so if you could dress a royal any royal from anywhere in the world um which one would it be either because you think they always look great or because and you kind of want to play with that that wardrobe and that look or because you're like 
I think actually I could be their useful fashion advice friend that they really need and we can do some good work here and make them look incredible. So I've actually started something on my Tumblr called Pretend Stylist and I do this a lot and I found the one that I enjoy the most is Megan and I think it's because she's still really in the infancy of being a royal and so you and you kind of saw a similar thing with Kate where like she evolves and becomes more confident and I think Megan's style is so distinct that there is a lot of possibilities to like really create some interesting looks with things that she likes so like for instance I loved playing with burgundy for her because I think that's a great color for her or like even doing different shades in the same color looks really interesting and cool or like texture mixing with the same color is cool things that you can do for her and I think I've just had a blast doing different looks for her that sounds fun how do we find your tumblr it's laurasroyalblog.tumblr.com great well we'll have a look at that and share that with our Mm -hmm. listeners for sure um and if you could have if you could go for like afternoon tea with with one of the royals with or without a gin and tonic um who (laughs) who who would you be like yeah come on let's let's hang out you're the you're the fun one that i want to hang out with so um i always said it was mike tyndall even though he's not royal because he seems to spill the most dirt but i also (laughs) i also think um that anne is probably the one even though she's like not the fashion one at all just because I think that I respond to that kind of like powerful feminine energy kind of another one that I would say is Camilla too, where it's like really steady, strong sense of duty, but also power. And I just think that's interesting in the context of the Royal family. And I'd love to hear more about that. Interesting. And what's your favorite Royal moment that you kind of just like, Oh, I I like that one. Um, It's always when the kids are born. I think it's just, there's so much there can be so much divisiveness in the royal fan sphere but weddings and especially when babies are born everyone's just like they're so cute and it's everyone can agree on that and so i think it's it's a a fun moment of like in kate for kate and william's kids like door watching or in archie's case like frantically refreshing twitter yep yep totally uh, we, were, we were we were doing a lot of refreshing in the office that day um and uh last question so um as we just said earlier this is probably the first in what will hopefully be regular um discussions with people hearing the voices of the people that we see on twitter um have you got a is there a particular person that you would like to sort of shout out and pass the bat on to that we should get in touch with for a future episode who you who you really particularly enjoy following on twitter um, so obviously the, uh, the people I, I, I'm a contributor for UFO No More. And I think the two people who gave me my shot there would be, uh, the Royals and I, Sarah and Heaven, who you probably see a lot on, uh, finds Heaven QRF. And so two of them. Oh, well, as if by accident, they are actually the other two people that I have so far contacted. I contacted wow. UFO No More as well. So clearly, clearly we have similar tastes so yeah uh, thank you very much for for joining me today all the way from nebraska via skype so that's very exciting um and it's been it's been great talking to you and hearing more um about um what you're what you're up to and we'll look forward to seeing you some more on twitter tell us your twitter handle once again for anybody that isn't following you 
It's at Japanese underscore ginger. Right. Hi, I'm Sarah Williams. I'm 23. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, and you know me as the Royals and I. Hi, I'm Evan Miller, and I'm 21. I'm from Europe, and you know me as Evan QRF on Twitter. And you know us both as UFO No More. Great. Um, so UFO No More is an account I, I really like. Um, I enjoy the fact that UFO has an entirely different meaning now as unidentified fashion object rather than unidentified flying object. And I have actually, um, I've used it myself in a gardening group on Facebook where I go asking for advice. So I use it for un- unidentified flowering object as well. When I see <laughs> things in my garden, and I don't know what they are. So it's, yeah. Gardening groups on Facebook, they are the best thing for identifying stuff. None of this trying to put it in an app and see what it is. Um, so you guys, you're on Twitter, you have a blog as well. I mean, you're, you are very, very, very active in the, in the Twitterverse, getting up early to, um, to f- follow the royals of, all, um, of various nationalities. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Sarah, if you, let's start with you. How did you get into... Um, how did you get into becoming obsessed by the Royals, I guess? Um, I, everyone asked me this and I actually don't remember. I think it was around 2010, 2011. I think it was between when crown princess Victoria of Sweden got married and when Will and Kate got married. Um, and so that's when I started to follow along, but it wasn't until 2014 that I started my own website and then we started UFO No More later on. And Heaven, how, how about for you? What was the what was the thing that got you so interested? Well, actually, thinking about it, it's quite similar to Sarah because I got interested um, after Will and Kate's wedding in 2011, and then I started my own blog in 2014 as well. And then I I wanted a long term project that I could really get into it but not on my own and then I met Sarah on Twitter and UFO No More started and yeah yeah it is it's very exciting this is the first time that we've got um three different countries on the podcast all at the same same time one dialing in from from Europe one dialing in from America so um you know if the Skype line goes a little bit bumpy in places um for our listeners then thanks for thanks for bearing with us but it's it's really great and I guess that shows what um you know the power of social media if you like you know you're two people like have you have you ever met in person the two of you no, but we are best friends. We talk constantly. Because that's, you know, that, that's, uh, that will kind of blow the minds, I expect, of our, of our of our older generations who didn't have, you know, social media has changed, changed things so much. Um, so UFO No More, what, uh, and your, your kind of, um, your fashion stuff what's your what's your favorite fashion spot that you've managed to identify heaven have you got a favorite um a favorite thing that you've like yes i finally found out what that one was um usually it's stuff from um queen princess metamorite of norway because she wears stuff from even the smallest designers and it's really hard to find them and or sometimes she wears something in 2016 that she bought in 2004 for example which makes it really hard to find and so yeah usually when I find something for her I'm really really happy that I finally found it 
How about you, Sarah? Are you what's who is who's your biggest challenge? Um, I think my biggest challenge would be the Swedes, um, and for that, it would be Sophia, Princess Sophia of Sweden. That would be my biggest challenge because she mixes international and Swedish designers and shops at websites like ASOS and um, places where you don't always expect to look. So she was just in a wedding this weekend um, in Capri. And we were looking for hours for her dress and it ended up being 80 US dollars from ASOS. And it was a real surprise. And after many hours, I was giving up and found it there. And it was my last shot. And to come up with finds like that are very exciting and rewarding. Have you got like a little like a kind of like dance that you end up doing when you finally find that one that's that was really driving you crazy? Um, yes, it normally involves a text to heaven with many capital letters and many exclamation parts. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so, Sarah, what's your what's your favorite royal look? Is there a, you know kind of a, when you think, oh yes, that was that was a good outfit and a good occasion, and it all all came together whose whose was it and what were they wearing and and what for um i always go back to the Nobel prize it's the highlight of the swedish royal year since my family is swedish i've my cousins are in sweden so my ties are always in sweden um so i always think in terms of sweden so my favorite looks are always noble looks and i think sophia had a gorgeous gown from Ida Lanto um, a few years back. It was lace and beaded and was the epitome of princess look. And then I have a favorite Swedish designer over there as well who does amazing Swedish couture gowns for Princess Madeline. And so Nobel Prize is always my favorite day. I take a personal day. I take the day off from work and I the fashion looks from those days are always amazing. Oh, it's not one that I'm very familiar with. I'll have to have a look out for it. So when when does that, what time of year can we expect to uh, get excited December about 10th. that? December the 10th. Right. Date in the diary. Every year. Date in the diary. Um, and Heaven, for the British royal family, is there a particular royal look that has stood out for you? Um, well, I... Always, my favorite designer is Elisab, so I was particularly pleased to see uh, Kate wear an Elisab outfit at Ascot this year. Really, I wasn't expecting it because I didn't think she would ever wear that that designer, but she did, and it looked amazing. And I was just so happy to finally see an Elisab outfit on her. No, that was a great look. Um, we really like that too. So a little bit more about um, about you two now. So um, Sarah, how would you describe your own look? My own look is whatever, I'm not very fashionable. I'd like to be, and slowly my friends are pushing me towards that. Um, it's normally a bun, just like Crown Princess Victoria always has her hair up. Um, my hair is always up, and it's normally uh, pants and a, I'm a teacher, so pants and a, a blouse is normally my day-to-day look is black black pants and a solid colored blue blouse is my go-to look classic workwear and then an escape into into the royal fashion world every now and then to, to sp- yes 
see through the looking glass. Um, Heaven, how about you? How would you describe your look? And have you have you ever ended up um, buying anything because a royal wore it? Well, I'm very casual too. Usually, it's just jeans and t-shirt or with a dress or skirt thrown in. But I never actually bought something. But I shop at Zara or H&M, and I usually buy things hoping that the royal will wear them. But that hasn't happened yet, so I'm waiting. One day, one day, one day. Um, how about you, Sarah? Do you think it's getting into it? Has it affected how you think about? what you buy for yourself or not really? Um, yes, I have, I don't have the budget that Royals have, um, but I do have some pieces that, um, that remind me of, I have a blue dress that from just a generic brand over here. Um, that reminds me of one of Kate's blue Saloni dresses. Um, so I have one of those and that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, to wear that one, especially because, as any woman knows, a, a good, good dress has pockets, and this dress has pockets. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> but I, I was also recently gifted a pair of uh, boots that from a friend that are in the same style that Princess Eugenie and Princess Madeline have. Um, so those are my current pride, or I'm waiting for the weather to get cooler so I can wear those. Nice. Very good. Well, there's, there's got to be bonuses to the winter, the winter coming in. And bonus points for you as well for getting a weather reference into Pod Save the Queen, because you know we love those every week. Um, so if you fantasy, uh, fantasy jobs now, if uh, if there was a, a royal who needed a stylist, which royal would you want to get hired by? Like if you could dress up any royal, who would it be? What, and what would you want to dress them in? Heaven, do you want to take that one first? Well, I think I would um, I would maybe go with Queen Princess Medmarit because she can look amazing um, in evening gowns, but her daily style is a little bit not my style, and sometimes I just want to ask her to lay off the floral dresses and and the weird designs and stuff. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Sounds like I'm laughing over here because I knew that she was going to say that. <laughs> who, who do you think needs a bit of help, Sarah? I would love, I know I keep talking about the Swedes, but I would love to see Victoria step out of the pantsuit phase she's in. Um, I'd like to see some, not so much pantsuits every day right now. It's, I think she's exhausted that style. I'd like a little bit more variety in her wardrobe currently. Okay. Okay. Um, and different question now away from, away from the fashion side of things. This is just like you get to go have afternoon tea with one and a really good gossip and maybe a glass of bubbly or a gin and tonic or just some really nice cups of tea and cake. Who would, who would you be wanting to go hang out with at, at the Ritz or somewhere for afternoon tea? Sarah, who would be, who would be top of your list? I think I would like to go with uh, Queen Sonia of Norway. Okay, why do or, you, why do you or, think she'd be good or, company? She's just always put together. She seems to be able to have a casual side. We just saw with um, her granddaughter's christening how she jumped in and was really involved in the family life. Um, 
and she's got good relations with everyone in Europe. I think she'd be fascinating to sit down and talk to. She's has so many interests that I think that would be a real fun conversation to have. Cool. And heaven, who would be on your guest list? Hmm. I think I can't choose between Princess Mary of Denmark because she's my favorite, and I I learned so much covering her on my own other blog that I would really like to discuss her causes with her but my I've always wanted to meet Queen Elizabeth at least once in my life and that's probably never going to happen but I just I find she's the reason I mean she's the first monarch I learned when I started getting into royals and I just found her story fascinating and I would just she must know so much about plenty of stuff that I just want to talk with her Oh yeah, there must be. Then we can get a table for three. That's fine. I'm sure that. Would, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the queen definitely is. That's a good. That is a right. good good option. A good option. And now, um, so last probably last one. Um, your favorite royal moment. Um, when you know that you were, that you like to think about and just you think was really special or really important or really just really memorable. Um, Heaven, do you want to take this one first? I think um, one of the real moments I will always remember is because I followed it live at home was the, um, well, other than royal weddings, of course, it was um, when um, King Felipe and Queen Letitia of Spain became king and queen. It was the first royal event, the first application and front month ceremony that I followed live at home from beginning to end. And it was just really amazing to feel that it was a part of history and that I was just watching live at home. It was just really amazing and I always remember it fondly, yeah. Okay. And how about you, Sarah? Princess Eugenie's wedding is one of my favorites. Um, I loved when she got out of the car and she did not have a veil on and was showing her scars. Um, as someone who has lots of friends, um, with physical limitations and uh, as me, me myself as well, um, my friend com- community in that aspect was just so blown away that she was bearing that scar and it meant a lot to me and my other good friends who have those scars and they just want to, sh- instead of hiding them, she was showing it. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty powerful moment really, wasn't it? Um, so... Yeah. As uh, uh, one, the last thing we're going to ask people to do each time is to uh, nominate somebody else from the Twitterverse. So, you know, we're going to try and um, introduce our listeners to as many people as possible over the coming months. So um, who would you recommend that people should should follow and check out and we should try and um, and have on in future? So a, a bit thinking of one of the one of the Twitter accounts that you that you know and like. Um, we're both good friends, um, online and offline with the team behind Megan's mirror and what would Kate do, um, Christine and Amanda. So, uh, that's, I think we're both in agreement there that people should follow them, especially on their personal accounts where they tweet the random, um, emails they get into the Megan's mirror inbox. Um, those are always good for a good laugh. Great tip, great tip. We'll go catch up on, on those. Um, ladies, thank you very much for, um, for 
joining us today. It's been great to hear from you and um, lovely to get a bit of insight and um, hear how the, Scandin- the Scandinavian royal families really are what got you got you so excited about it all. Um, so many different ways for different people to come um, into the kind of the the royal obsessed world. Um, so, um, so I think it was. I can't remember whether it was earlier this year or the end of last year um you guys put together like a really comprehensive look back at um like the costs of the royal wardrobes and that can that can get quite contentious sometimes I think and particularly when um when different people get compared because it does get it can get get a little bit um competitive or, or difficult sometimes how have you how have you found that I just I mean um when we release the numbers some I mean I was attacked a lot on my personal account not on the US on account but on my own one and so I decided to take a step back um, just to let it all go down and and not being attacked personally because that was a little bit difficult but that doesn't mean I mean I don't think we I'm very proud of these numbers and of the work we put into them and in the blog in general so I just I took a step back for me, but I still stand by those numbers. Yeah, it's it's a great piece. It's a great piece of research, and I think it's <laughs> it's. Um, I don't know. Do you do you feel like there has been a change in how in how Twitter talks about the royals over the last kind of over the last year, like that the honeymoon period wore off for sort of um, Meghan joining the royal family quite quickly, quite quickly and unfairly. Yes, um, we've definitely had that conversation together about how we've noticed it change and how people are quick to jump to a side where we, I think I can say, speak for both of us in saying, we're just here for everyone. We can have our own personal opinions. Um, and with that tally we do, it's not like we did it just because Megan joined it. This is our, we're working on our third year of it. We did it before Megan came. We did it with Megan, and now we're doing it again. Um, and we're not here to critique. We just present the information, and people can make their own critiques with it. But we certainly got a lot of pushback, and from that we noticed that people seem to be more contentious about whose side they're on, and I'm team this, I'm team this, and there's no mutual appreciation anymore, And which is, for me, it feels sad because... It's hard to remember that for us, when we are more like one of the royals, we tend to lean toward their side, but they are a family. They are the firm in the UK. They're the firm. So they really all are one unit. Um, and I think it's unfair to pit them against each other when they're all, their job is to represent the country and to do work for the queen. And certainly, we can all uh, try and be a bit a bit nicer to each other on uh, on Twitter. Sometimes there's no no need for uh, name calling and rage because there's enough of that in the rest of the world. Never mind. The Royals is meant to be like the nice the nice space where they're doing important things and um, looking pretty. That's kind of what I go yeah. to what I go to it for. Yeah. I get enough rage elsewhere. Um, thank you for thank you for um, sharing that as well. That was really um, I think that was really important for people to hear so um is there anything is there anything else that you think it would be um important or interesting or that you wish you had a chance to share with us um 
we're working hard this year um, to we're doing more royal coverage on our website, and we're trying really hard to give people a better glimpse into everyone's um, closets, as we tend to call them. Their closets. We give, we're trying hard to provide people with a chance to um, go and look and see a piece, and then maybe see. Oh, I didn't know two other royals also have these this same gown, and they've worn it. Um, so we're trying hard to show that certain brands are not just from one royal has worn it, but more of oh look, self portrait gown has been worn by three different royals in three different countries. Oh, nice, um, like a royal fashion so network type thing, and like exactly. A web. Oh. That's a good well, name for it. Archive. An archive, yes, a web. Excellent. Oh, well, we shall look forward to seeing how that evolves. Um, thank you so much for joining, joining us today. Um, I've loved hearing from you. So that was UFO No More. Um, absolutely fascinating. One of the things that I love about the internet, that you can be working super closely with somebody that you have never met but it's something that you have a shared passion about um so our final interview is with uh, susan kelly the woman behind what kate wore um who is you know probably one of the first royal twitter accounts i followed um i've been covering the royals since uh, since william and kate got engaged pretty much um probably a little bit before then but we weren't there wasn't a huge amount of excitement as far as i recall until you know she really arrived to take on that royal role first as William's fiance and then as his wife. Um, so initially, as you can imagine, the Kate effect kicked in good and proper. There was a huge excitement and interest in everything that Kate was wearing. And uh, what Kate wore was one of the first blogs, I think, that really latched onto that, or certainly one of the first ones, or if not, if not the first one, that I became aware of. And uh, they do a really good job of kind of pulling together uh, really comprehensive um, coverage of visits, but also keeping an eye on the fashion and um, highlighting the reports that are provided by Russell and his various colleagues from the Royal Pack as well. So a really good resource and lovely to finally um, have a chat with Susan, the woman behind the account herself. My name is Susan Kelly and I am the founder and manager of What Kate Wore. And you know me on Twitter as What Kate Wore. And as terms of age, I just say I'm um, north of 50. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. And, and where are you based other than the internet, where we, all, where we all live and enjoy ourselves? I'm based in the middle of Michigan, just outside the state capital, um, very close to Michigan State University. And a lot of people are surprised when they hear that. A lot of people actually think that I live in the UK, which is not the case. But maybe a bit operating on a UK time zone quite a lot of the time, given how much you post about uh, about our royal friends. I do operate on a UK time zone as much as I can, which gets very exciting, you know, when there are morning engagements and it's 4 or 5 or 6 a.m. over here. Um, but it also gives us an opportunity, you know, to have things up and running early. And then some days I can knock off a little earlier than other days. Oh, nice. uh, the real challenge... The real challenge is in terms of time zone 
as you would know, Anne, come when there are tours and time zones like Australia and New Zealand really require me to just kind of flip my schedule entirely. So I'm, you know, sleeping during the day and writing during the night, which is, you know, a kind of a strange experience, but it's also terrific. Tours are an enormously rewarding part of the job because you see so much and you learn so much and, you know, fashion can kind of build bridges between communities and we learn about different people and cultures and practices and, you know, that far transcends the inconvenience, if you will, of the body clock being tipped over. So what keeps you going through the night when you're up uh, watching the uh, Australian thing? Are you on? Are you are you coffee? Are you Pringles? Are you ice cream? Are you fruit? What's the uh, what's the secret to staying up all through the night? Well, this is really terrible. Um, but Diet Coke, I have these little seven ounce cans of Diet Coke that I usually might have one a day or every couple days. I don't drink coffee. I've never had a cup of coffee in my life, and. Um, I spent a good part of my career in television, and that industry is so hyper and compressed and, you know, nerve-wracking that it didn't seem like a good idea that I needed to add coffee on top of it. However, I do, you know, I will pound the Diet Coke a little bit during a tour, and I have been known to ingest the occasional chocolate bar. Oh, um, Yes, well, I think we can all admit to having done that at from one at one time or another. Um, so, I mean, so what's your favorite tour that you've you've covered for your uh, for what Kate War? Boy, you know, I I think there was a magic about the 2011 North American, you know, Canada, and and then a little dip down into California tour. That was just that was coming off the wedding, and Kate was just kind of emerging on the global stage and we were learning so much about the couple particularly those of us that are not in the UK or in a commonwealth country and we're not as familiar with the monarchy Um, and there was just this tremendous excitement um, about that and and the fashion you know it was way different from what we see now Um, but I also think the India trip um, and, and that Australia New Zealand tour again because there was just such a remarkable um, breadth of experiences and fashion, you know. Um, and I think this this last tour, we really saw kind of Kate emerge as this, um, you know, very iconic figure in a way that I had not seen before. I mean, we've certainly seen her fill the role magnificently, but seeing her in some of the local fashions in Pakistan was yes in Pakistan was really really exciting and I, I'm I'm catching up on it because um, unfortunately I became very ill and was hospitalized and had surgery during during the tour so I had to do a quick catch up afterwards and I'm still kind of getting caught up and and that's when you are able to kind of look at things from a different perspective instead of absorbing them day by day hour by hour, oh, quick, I have to get the post done, and now we're on to the next engagement. So it's been a little different experience in terms of looking back at it from a bigger picture perspective. And um, since you mentioned mentioned being, we're very, very glad that you are on the mend, but I think um, in your, you know, your husband posted such a lovely 
message to let your your followers know because you know they have come they've come they expect during a royal tour they know that you are going to be all over it sharing all of the pictures linking out to the news reports which you know we always love it when you feature ours um and you know being one of one of the go-to places to to see what's happening and the clothes identities and the discussion and all that and that and you know they they would have they would have met you they would have missed you you knew they would have missed you and your husband knew they would have missed you so he pushed you know kind of put a, a, a lovely message out there and um what he said about the you know the kind of the, the twitter the people who read your book kind of being i think it was family was potentially the word he used certainly friends and that kind of there is a real community that has evolved around your blog and kind of the royal um internet life itself which is what you know why we why we're doing this episode so how how have you how have you felt that evolve over the years and um what what kind of does it mean to you what made what led to that you know kind of your husband posting that message wow um that's a terrific question you know we i've worked really really hard to make it a community i remember setting up the facebook page back in 2011 and i'd never had a facebook page um and hardly knew what I was doing. And you had to click a category of what you are. You know, are you a business? Are you a retail store? Um, and I clicked community because that seemed to be the healthiest, most productive, most nurturing way to cover Kate um, as a journalist, but also wanting the environment of, of covering Kate and comments on the site to be healthy and not um, overly negative and certainly not vitriolic or nasty. Um, and I developed a comment policy on the site that is that it's you know very stringent by some standards. And at times, um, I've been told I'm micromanaging, and I think that statement's been justified. At times, I have micromanaged, but I so wanted to avoid this kind of black hole of ugliness that we all know that you can find on the internet um, and the trolls and the, the nasty, nasty comments that you'll see on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. Um, and, and it takes a lot of monitoring. It truly, you have to sit on Facebook and watch every single post that comes up by people because, you know, they'll do what I call, um, is a hit and split where they, they make a comment that they're only there to make a nasty comment Drop and then they grenade. leave. Yeah, that's a good one. A grenade is a great um, analogy because that's what it can be like. But the flip side of that is that I have met some remarkable people and um, getting the support that I got last week. Wow. You're going to have to edit this out. This is really unexpected. Anne. Um, geez. I'll take a moment. Wow. I'm going to blame that on meds. Yes, definitely. Um, Definitely. Yes. That's not me. Um, You know, getting the sort of support and the kindness and the emails and messages that I received last week was really remarkable um, and unexpected. You know, at times I think to – I tend to um, perhaps undervalue what I do and I, I don't always appreciate that there is an impact for people um, that all of us create. You know, I, I think of you guys and you, and you reference sources and 
you guys are a go-to source for me as well. There, there's a cadre or core of people who are respected journalists and who do a terrific job. And it's been really extraordinary getting to meet all of you. And, and I feel so fortunate that that has happened. You know, and I've met, I've made friends that I've met in real life, as we say, and, and been able to see them and go out for meals and spend time with them. Um, and that is, you know, that was unexpected when this all started. I, you know, I really didn't have a clue in many regards what I was doing. This all came out of another blog that I had. And I remember sitting and asking my husband, you know, do you think people would ever want to read a blog that, that is about what Kate Middleton wears? And this was back when she was Kate Middleton, before she was the Duchess of Cambridge. And I registered the site name, and then things just kind of went from there. I mean, it was really unanticipated in terms of um, the following and the response and um, some of the things that I had to deal with, like, you know, um, keeping the site secure and learning how to, to license photos from photo agencies. So I wasn't, you know, using anyone's material Um illegally or inappropriately and and that kind of thing really was not anything that I had expected you know I just thought I'd sit and write this blog which is in retrospect you know really not very bright on my part I mean everything starts out easy doesn't it it's just like oh yeah just do a thing and then suddenly whoa open the door but uh, opportunities and and challenges It it was interesting when you said about um you know that first tour being um you know kind of magical because I I think that might have been where I first um, really started um, seeing you and your posts and kind of um, relying re- relying on them. When each day we were trying to identify, you know, where 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 have all these clothes come be- come from? Because you know, it's uh, for kind of younger listeners, they're probably used to the 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 new generation of royals if you like the cambridges and now the sussexes going out and about and doing things and it being really active but actually there'd been quite a a long period where there wasn't really that kind of youthful glamour of the new generation you kind of got you got charles and camilla and that was you know that you kind of got the dutiful children of the queen and then suddenly Kate and William were engaged and they were going to be officially royal and although you know they they were not full-time royals initially you know he was flying his helicopter and and all of that um so there was a whole new kind of swathe of royal coverage I think that opened up and real kind of yeah interest I mean Camilla dresses very well but I'm not sure that everybody's quite as obsessed about what she's wearing as they are about what Kate's wearing Kate is much more of a a trendsetter I think it's fair to say so you know each there was we could we could see on our website that you know there was such interest in what Kate was wearing each day I think we had a it was a fairly encyclopedic you know every every single item that she was wearing what bag what the bag was what the what the shoes were what the earrings were what the outfit was and how many outfits there were in a day and how much it would cost and you know all of the things that are pretty a pretty you know standard there's loads of places that that do it now but for us that was a that was a new thing we'd never really done anything like that before and it was um you know you're you very quickly built up a community I think of people who could identify things really quickly well it's it's funny when you think back about the very back in the beginning and everything was so new and 
I remember looking for what Kate wore. And I, I think one of the first things I ever identified was the um, Reese. It was a white dress with a, a kind of tulle floaty skirt. And then the jacket that she wore, the navy jacket she wore on top of that. And I was so excited. And it was just a learning process to do that. But that, I, you know, finding the jacket, I think, took probably two or three hours of me sitting here at the computer going through retailer after retailer before I had any idea, essentially, of, of what the brands were, the high street brands were that Kate would wear. And now you've got people on Twitter and Instagram who identify things really within seconds, within seconds. And it's so extraordinary to sit and watch this because these women, and I think I believe they all are women, will see the first pictures from an engagement and there will be within 30 seconds sometimes a photo that comes up on Twitter from UFO No More or Japanese Ginger or other people on Twitter and they'll say, here's the dress, here's the maker, here's the link to the product. And you just sit back and go, wow, how did they do that? But they have an encyclopedic knowledge of brands and styles and seasons and the cuts and colors and the designers. It, it's it's amazing to watch. And so how how did you end up in or like how did you get into the Royals in the first place? and end up doing this whole thing, which has probably taken over your life over the last 10 years, I should think. It, it has taken over my life, but that's in a good way. Um, I was a journalist in television for 17 years, and after I left TV, my husband and I started an online store, and there was a blog that accompanied and promoted the online store. And I noticed over the years, particularly 2010, that any time I wrote about Kate Middleton, the readership would go up and also the engagement. You know, people would leave comments asking about what she wore um, or about her background. And that was what prompted me to ask my husband towards the end of 2010, after the engagement was announced, uh, do you think people would really go to a website about what Kate Middleton wears? And we talked about a name, and I just kind of said, I don't know, maybe why don't we just call it What Kate Wore It? That might be really easy to, to learn and remember. And I, I purchased the URL, not having any idea that ultimately I would have to make a choice between co-managing the store with my husband and running What Kate Wore and the, you know, the social media that goes with it. And we hit a point where I had to make a choice and, you know, run the numbers and do the math. Would would I be able to contribute enough financially to the household if I just did the blog? Um, and it, it really, I would say, was, was very hit and miss. Um, let's just say that I underestimated sub substantially uh, photo licensing fees and web hosting and security fees. Um, so it was really the first couple of years, uh, I would say intense, but it, it's, you know, and it's not, um, by any stretch of the imagination, a gold mine, but it does allow me to, um, manage my own time in many instances, you know, not counting tours, um, or unannounced engagements. And, and it lets me go spend time with my mom, who's about an hour and a half away and, and 
older and you know it's the sort of thing that that you hope you can do when you get to, to my age and situation in life um but you can't always do it if, if your career mandates that you're not in the same community or that you're working 12 or 14 hours a day so i you know i really feel extremely fortunate and blessed that i i get to do what i do and still, you know, do things like go see my mother, and, and I volunteer at a local um, nursing home, and I had on a, the board of a, a library organization, and things like that. You know, it's really you, you couldn't get any better arrangement. Um, as, nice as work-life balance. Yeah, it really is. And at, you're in you're in media. You you know how insane it is, Anne, when you're at a um, a. a daily publication and the the pace and the grind and one of the reasons I left television I'd been in news most of my career um, and then was the general manager at a CBS affiliate in Oregon and one of the the deals that my husband and I had was if it if it stopped being fun then for either one of us we really needed to step back and talk about what we could do and we hit a point in Oregon where it stopped being fun for, for a variety of circumstances. Um, I was very, very far away from home, and I lost my father while I was out there. And that sort of thing makes you just kind of step back and go, well, where are my priorities? You know, the career has been terrific, and it's, it's really um, a very good position I'm in from a career perspective. But in terms of, you know, my family and my husband's family and the rest of our lives, should I maybe rethink this? And and I did rethink it. And he was wonderful and and very supportive. And you know, I left the industry. Um, but I, I sympathize with all of you who have these incredibly draining schedules and the deadlines that just never go away. And of course, with the internet, you know, it's not like the days. It um, is a hungry beast. Back, it doesn't. It doesn't oh, it ever stop, a, does it? I think it's a voracious beast for, for everybody um, because, you know, it's not just tomorrow's newspaper or the next TV newscast that has to be done. It's the Internet, you know. It's the website. It's it's the paper's website and social media accounts and everything that goes with it. And honestly, you know, I step back and I marvel at what you all do because it is relentless. It is just relentless. No, it's, it's always it's always nice to to come and sit in the, our little recording room and either you know speak to speak to people like yourself or get together with Russell and Zoe and Amber and Danielle and you know Victoria all the all the and the various different people we've had on over the years and kind of do something that's um is that it's a diff- is a is a really different pace to or a different and a different flavor I guess to the the things that we do the rest of the day um over all of these years writing about um Kate have you got a favorite kind of look or moment that that you wrote about that you just think that you know when you think about it, it's like yeah that was that was a really good one I really like that particular day that's how I think of her you know um I, I do have one and and it's kind of it's different than probably what most people expect anytime I'm asked this and, and I, I share what it is people are kind of taken aback because it, it's not an evening gown it's not a tiara moment it, as wonderful as those are and as fun as they are to see um, it's back on the um, Canada trip and it was when William was doing some they were on St. Edward Island I believe and William was doing some touch and goes some very delicate maneuvers with a helicopter that he was piloting 
And Kate was taking photos of him, and she was in a Ted Baker Navy ring trench coat. And, and a, red a red scarf? scarf, I believe. Yes. Yes. If we both think it was and a red scarf, jeans. it must be. Yes, of course it's a red scarf. Um, and she just looked so in her element and so radiant and so relaxed and and like she was just in that moment. And I... I I think of that when I think of a quintessential Kate look. And have you have you ever ended up buying anything because Kate wore it? I have learned of brands through Kate, but because I'm a little older than most of the other bloggers and because, you know, my career wardrobe was already set and I don't need that many things, you know, I'm not going to um, a standard stereotypical office so I don't need all of that and I actually had worn a number of the brands before uh, um, I learned about Kate I mean I grew up over here with a, a barber coat and and Sorel boots and you know things that particularly if you're in Michigan um, you you deal with foul weather gear a <laughs> lot uh, from from the time you come out of the womb um, you know, we can get snowfalls over here that are 24, 36 inches and you look out, you know, how am I going to go out the door? So I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody who needed to go get a pair of Aqua Italia boots, for example, um, perhaps as much as other people might have because they needed that in their wardrobe. Um, but I mean, that's a brand that I did learn about. I, I, you know, I learned about LK Bennett. I learned about Reese and have loved learning about all of these brands. And, you know, it, it's just such a different universe and it's such a delight you know to have your your um eyes expanded your vision expanded of other brands other ways of looking at things other ways of dressing um although i have to tell you arguably i think for a lot of us in the united states one of the terms we had to really work at understanding was high street. high street and yeah. i i still have a hard time yeah I, and i try and explain to people we well, you know it's it's usually um, a brand that, like, you might find in a mall here in the United States or in a concentrated shopping area. Um, but, but learning some of the different terminology has been just fun. You know, a jumper. I mean, how perfect is, is that? That's a great word. Yes. Yes, we like our jumpers and uh, tights. We have tights, not pantyhose. That's a good one. Uh, what else? Oh. There's probably all sorts, all sorts of transatlantic. What is it they say? The only problem with England and America is they speak different languages. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is perfect. Um, and I, I would say you did touch on the most polarizing topic and remains the most polarizing topic we've dealt with at What K War, which is tights, pantyhose. Um, and that that was incredible to watch because it came up again during that first tour and people would talk about, is she wearing pantyhose as they're called in the United States and in other parts of the world tights. And it really started um, a dialogue, if you will, that over the years has become more philosophical and, and touches things like in the U S for example, should a woman be required to wear pantyhose? And there's a body of thought that says, well, yes, if it's if it's an industry where that's appropriate and expected and needed, yes. And then there's another body of thought that says, absolutely not. Why should it be dictated? Um, and there were a lot of people who went and tried 
pantyhose who hadn't in the first couple of years. I remember the statistics from a trade organization were incredible. That the, the increase in sales from Kate being seen wearing pantyhose was off the charts. Um, but that still is a very touchy topic. Wow. I never, I never knew. Although, as as somebody who hated tights when I was at school, school as in um, like high school, and wore ankle socks throughout, even when it was really cold, although not as cold as Michigan. In fairness, um, I say free people from tights. Let them, let them have the choice. Um, I love that. I do love that. Free people from tights. Yes. That's a brilliant expression. Um, have you have you expanded beyond Kate much? Or I mean, you know, she keeps you busy enough. I would imagine. I, I have expanded. I ended up starting a site called What Kate's Kids Wore. I, before that, actually, it was What Prince George Wore. Um, and that was something that I actually struggled with quite a bit because, you know, you can make a strong case, and you won't hear me disagree in, in many regards, that um, is it really appropriate to document what a small child is wearing? And I And I had a tough time with that. You know, um, there are certain things we don't do at what Kate wore or any of the other sites I'm associated with. And, and that's things like, you know, not running paparazzi photos and and not doing other things. And I had a tough time, but ultimately decided that, you know, I would go ahead and do it and I would be able to be comfortable in my own mind that I was doing it appropriately and with as much respect as could be done in that circumstance. So I did what Prince George wore. And then when we learned that Kate was expecting Charlotte, I changed it to what Kate's kids wore. Um, and that was a title I struggled with because to me, kids, you know, I wasn't sure that that was properly respectful. Um, but it ultimately seemed like the easiest, easiest name for people to remember. And then um, when Prince Harry started dating Meghan Markle, that was another topic of discussion and a friend. Um who is also named Susan, called and wanted to know how I felt about her using the name What Megan Wore. And I said, I, go for it. I mean, absolutely. You, you don't need to ask me. It's lovely that you did, but you don't need to. I, you know, I said, do you really think this is something that's going to be long-term? And she said, I do think it's going to be long-term. And she's someone who knew Megan um, for, and watched her on Suits and, and was familiar with her already. Um, and, and had much greater insight into her background and probably, therefore, into the relationship. And over the next several months, we, you know, we would stay in touch anyway because we're friends. And she got the social media accounts up and running. And and the more we spoke, the more it kind of made sense that maybe I would lend a hand um, and ultimately um, am now a partner in what Megan Moore. So there's three sites. Um, and Megan, you know, is very busy. There, there are days, as you're aware, where you can kind of ping pong from Megan to Kate to Megan has a second engagement. <laughs> yes. And you're just... Yes, yes, yes. Oh, they're fun days, those ones. Very good. Um, so in terms of, they're obviously the people that you, you write about. Um, if you could have afternoon tea with any of the royal family, who would it be? The Queen. Absolutely, Her Majesty, in a, in a heart, just thinks she is remarkable. And I'm somebody who is old enough to remember the difficult days around Diana and Diana's death and everything that followed that. 
And I just think the queen has um, a standard and a sense of obligation and duty that is incredible to see, particularly in this day and age. And she is unwavering that, you know, um, good, bad, or indifferent, regardless of how you feel about the monarchy. I think most people concur that she is a rock. And it's going to be incredible to, to, you know, deal with that when that is no longer the case. I I can't even, I don't even think about that. Um, But she would be my number one choice of of someone with whom I'd love to sit down. And if I could just absorb any of her knowledge um, and character and strength of spirit, it would be incredible. And um, something we're asking all of our um, our Twitter guests to do, um, pick one other account from the Twitterverse that we should talk to and why. Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, and, and they will get a me... chance in turn. So if, if you don't, if you are not, not, I'm only letting people have one pick. So, you know, if you are not the, ca- the account that is, is picked this time, then uh, don't be offended. And uh, we will. Uh, I'm going to throw in some of my more of my own picks in future as well. So there will be. Oh, I'm excited to to, to learn about your picks. Those those will be those will be fun. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go with one that I think some might find unusual, but it's KateMiddletonStyle.org. Um, it's a woman named Carly who was the second Kate blogger um, after me, as best I remember and know. And she's somebody who took a break um, for a period of time after the first six or seven years, maybe, um, and who's now expecting um, a baby in a not-too-distant future and who's back blogging full-time with it. And she's um, terrific. And she just, you know, she has a little different perspective um, than someone like myself, you know, who does not have children and who um, is not expecting a child and and she looks at things from a different pair of glasses than I do and I, I you know that's my very favorite thing about all again is just learning from other people and learning how they perceive things and stepping back and you know asking myself should I think differently about this um and, and you know Kate Middleton style Carly is somebody from whom I've learned a lot over the years and I'm immensely grateful that I met her um so that would be my choice great I will make sure that I am following her on Twitter and then maybe see if she might like to come on on the show in future but um it's been great to talk to you finally after you know eight years of uh following following you around the internet on twitter and um uh, maybe talk to you again in future because we enjoy having having guests and a, certainly an, a perspective from across the atlantic on uh, particularly now there's an american involved in the royal family so hopefully we might hear from you again in future if you would like to come back one day but thank, thank you very much for joining us this oh, time I, susan you know, i'm so ex- I'm so excited to be able to speak with you, Anne, because this is the longest we've ever been able to talk after eight years. And it's, it's you know, getting to know you more, too. I'm, I'm you know, this is terrific. Oh, great. Well, I hope our listeners have thought so, too. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch up again soon. Listeners, thank you for joining us. And until next time. Pod save the Queen!